Welcome to the Wish Well Podcast, a women's integrative summit on health and wellness. A podcast hosted by Dr. Michelle Dang, a board-certified anesthesiologist and pain management physician with additional fellowship training in integrative medicine. This podcast will feature weekly episodes with women from all walks of life discussing their health and wellness journeys. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Michelle Dang with the Wish Well Podcast, the Women's Integrative Summit on Health and Wellness. I'm starting to say the full podcast name because I realize that Wish Well, for some of you, you may not really know what this podcast is about. If you are listening to this podcast for the first time, it is a women's health and wellness podcast. I love the name just because, in my opinion, it's us wishing you all well. So health and wellness. So that's the reason why we came up with that podcast name. So I want to jump right into this this week's episode. It is number 54, Authenticity with Dr. Jessie Benson. I really enjoyed recording this with her a little while ago, and I connected with her over social media. Actually, I think I saw one of her posts in a comment, and it was of her artwork, and I thought it was so cool that she is an anesthesiologist like myself, and she enjoys doing art and playing instruments, and I felt like she was my spirit sister in medicine. And so I really like her topic for this week, which is authenticity. And the reason why is because she actually in the podcast shares her journey through clinical medicine and her decision to step away and pursue her passions, which I thought was so great that she was able to take the initiative to pursue things that she is very passionate about. And so beginning this week and and future weeks, I want to just give you a brief synopsis of the podcast rather than just sitting on here in the intro and reading the entire bio, which I'm sure you all can take a look on the show notes. So in this week's episode, Jessie talks to us about how now she is a certified life coach, a mindfulness teacher, a professional artist. And most recently, she is a professional baker with her home bakery, Buffalo Mountain Bakery. And she posts all these amazing pictures. I'm drooling looking at the pictures. And we live very far away from each other, so I can't taste it, but I'm sure it is so delicious. So I really love all the interesting, fun things that she is doing. She is also a homesteader, which I wasn't really aware of what that meant. And we talk a little bit about what that means as well. Her advice to you all is to live true to yourself, which goes back into our topic of today's episode, which is authenticity. So I really hope that you all enjoy this episode. Um, feel free to reach out to me on social media to let me know what your thoughts are, if there are any specific topics you want me to talk about on the podcast. You can reach out to Jessie Benson. Um, Her website is jessiebenson.com. Her art is jessiebensonfineart.com. And her bakery is buffalomountainbakery.com. You can read her full bio on the show notes and on our blog, which is wishwell.health.blog. All right. Take care. I will see you next week and chat with you then. 
right. Hi, everyone. It's Dr. Michelle Dang with the Wishwell podcast. I'm here today with Dr. Jesse Benson. So Dr. Benson and I connected with each other over Facebook. I think a few months ago, I noticed some of her posts and was intrigued by her journey. So I'm definitely excited to have her on the podcast to share with you a little bit about herself, but also what she does. And uh, yeah, so welcome, Jesse. How are you doing? Fantastic. I've had already had a wonderful busy morning. I had to cut down some trees and I had a, a session with a new client. So it's already been a wonderful day. Awesome. And so a little bit about Jesse. she had been practicing as an anesthesiologist and in critical care medicine physician for about a decade and she left and now, and I love her little tagline. She says she's a part time life coach, part artist, part now new baker, uh, homesteader and full-time life enjoyer. So I love that. And so definitely want you to share your story, but real fast, her topic for today's podcast is authenticity, which I think um, resonates with her in terms of her personal story, but also hopefully can resonate with some of you all. So tell us a little bit about your journey. So I don't know if anyone in the audience can relate to this, but I'm guessing that some people can. I spent the first almost 40 years of my life, maybe like 30 some years of my life being an approval seeker and an achievement seeker which meant that I was not me. I was whatever people wanted me to be. If someone liked a certain music, if I thought they would like me better, I would like that music. If I thought they liked football, I would like football. If I thought they would um, just anything. The point is, is I was completely inauthentic. And that's why authenticity is what I bring to the show today because it was the key to my happiness. So definitely, definitely love authenticity. And it was the door opening to really living for me. So So how did you get into medicine and then transition out of it? Okay. So medicine Mm -hmm. was, I was a straight A student because I learned early, early on like kindergarten that if I did well, if I basically just did what the teacher said, then I was teacher's pet. And I loved the attention because I grew up in a home where I didn't get a lot of attention And so this attention felt so good. And so I was hooked. I was an A student from that moment on, all the way through grade school, all the way through college, you know, first in my college class, first in my med school class. And all along that way, I just kept getting told smart people are doctors, smart people go to medical school. I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to be a photographer, actually. And I remember telling my high school guidance counselor this and her exact words were something like, you are going to throw your life away. And then I went to college and got, did pre-med, did biology, and then got told again by my advisor, you will be wasting your life. And so I listened because I was so approval seeking. I I couldn't go against the grain. And so I became a doctor (laughs) and then I was, you know, physician of the quarter, best fellow at Cleveland Clinic. It just never ended until one day I realized about five years into my practice, I get goosebumps remembering that I was not living the life that I wanted to live. I was living the life for others. And so during those 10 years that you were in practice, did you ever have kind of, um, you know, did you have these little inklings in the background that were kind of like nagging you throughout the the decade that you were practicing? And did you just try to, you know, shove them down? Yes. Yes. Because a main part of it was, I actually knew even in residency that I didn't want to pursue medicine. It's not like I didn't want to help people. I just didn't want to be a doctor. 
but I already had a 250,000 med school debt. And so I knew that I was in it until I could pay that off. And so I had to just put my nose to the grindstone and do it so I could keep going. And did you do, so I see that you did critical care medicine as well. So did you do a fellowship as well after residency? Yes. That's where, that's where I was best fellow at Cleveland clinic. I did my critical care fellowship there and, you know, did my usual thing of like trying to do the best I could. And, you know, yeah. So yes. And I actually love practicing. It wasn't, it wasn't that I didn't love medicine. It was that I didn't love the life. The life was just too hard on me. I, I didn't want my whole life to be medicine and that's how it was. And so did you feel like you just had a greater purpose outside of medicine? And if so, what were, there's a lot of fear that comes into it, right? Leaving clinical medicine. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yes. Yeah, so my main thing was being a perfectionist and because that's how I felt like I felt like to get approval and to get achievement, I had to be perfect. And maybe people in the audience can relate to that burden of perfectionism and about 2011, so going on 10 years now, I realized that I had this belief system that I was only as good as what I could do. So if I was a B student, then I was bad. If I was an A student, I was good. And I finally broke that equation. And I realized that I just have value because I'm a living creature, like just like every other person and every other thing. And that's when I let perfectionism go. When I realized I don't have to be perfect. I'm, I'm fine just the way I am. And in that moment, I was willing to try anything like art, music, because before I wouldn't try anything because I was afraid I would fail. And so in about 2011, I became an artist. I became a musician. I started studying cello. I started doing sprint triathlons because I didn't care if I won. I just wanted to have fun and letting that perfectionism go while I was still practicing. I was mid through my 10 years. I was, I was right in the middle and I, I, I just life opened up for me when I dropped perfectionism. And then why I left medicine was because I had a life I wanted. I didn't want to be at the hospital anymore because I had something else I wanted to do. I wanted, I joined the community orchestra. I wanted to do the concerts. I wanted to do art shows and sell my art. I wanted to train for my triathlons. And so it was that I had a life that medicine was holding me back from. That sounds so amazing. And I remember now, I think I saw some pictures from you or some posts from you about your art and your music. And I just said, oh my gosh, I mean, I could tell you that my story is similar in the sense of, I was always told I love to draw. I loved music. And I was told, I was told, how are you going to make money? You're going to be a starving artist. And it was like, okay, well, I guess I'll do the straight and narrow path and not explore all these other interests that I had. And so I think, um, you know, many people can probably relate to that because I think a lot of it comes from fear, fear of the unknown. Absolutely. And it's really hard to go against what people think is best for us, or at least it was for me. And so we just acquiesce. Right. So tell us about exactly how you decided to just quit. You just one day said, okay, I'm, it's over. I'm, I'm, I'm doing something else. Yeah. So two main, well, three things. The first thing I mentioned, I I decided there was something I wanted other than medicine. Then the second thing was I made friends with some professional musicians in my community and they were, they were doing what they loved and supporting themselves. They were living modestly, but they loved everything they did. They loved their concerts. They loved 
the shows, they love practicing. And so I saw someone actually doing it. I saw someone who wasn't a starving artist, someone who was doing music and loving it. So then I thought, I know what I want, it's possible. And then the third and most important thing, I had to pay off my med school debt because I knew it was just gonna be a burden. And so I worked very hard to pay off my med school debt. And when I sent that last check in March of 14, then in 4th of July weekend of that same year is when I gave my six month notice to my practice. And what was that like for you giving, giving your practice that six month notice? freedom. Like there were, the only thing that was hard for me is because I had to tell my, um, like the head of my group and I respected him so much. And I was afraid that he was you know, going to lose that approval and he was supportive. So I was, I was fortunate that everybody was supportive in my practice. Um, but it was hard to say I'm leaving because I felt responsible to them. And I want, that's why I gave them six months, even though I only contractually had to give them three, I knew it would be hard for them to find a double board certified anesthesiologist and critical care physician. And that's what they would need to replace me. And so I gave them six months. Awesome. So that was back in 2014. So any regrets? No. In fact, I, I swear the longer I get away from it, I cannot a, believe I did it. And B, I'm so grateful that I took that leap. Awesome. And so do you miss some aspects of clinical medicine? The only thing that I miss are some of the procedures. Like I really enjoy doing spinals. I, I'm a very like hands-on sort of person, which makes sense because now I'm a baker and an artist and a homesteader. And I do, I do miss doing a spinal. I do like miss being that CSF, especially with the art spinal. Um, those things were fun. Yeah, it was fun. But other than that, I get to have the part I loved most about medicine, which was connecting with humans. And I do that now in my life coach practice. So I, I get fulfilled that way. Perfect. And so that's great transition because now I really want to hear you talk a little bit about your life coaching and tell us a little bit before we get into life coaching, what exactly homesteader means? Because some people may not know what that means. Yes. It essentially means doing as much for yourself as you can. And so that can mean for, for each person, something different. For me, it means I designed and helped build my own home which is my dream home. And it means I tend the land. So anything I can do on the land, because I have about five and a half acres and a pond and the land needs tended. I have to cut certain trees down before they fall in the pond. I have to um, help keep up the road. And, and so that's one thing, tend in the land, build my own house. And then I grow a lot of my own food and then baking my own bread, making my own pizza. So it's essentially to try to do for oneself as much as you can. That sounds sort of like my, my family and I like to watch the show life below zero. Is that the one in the last? Yeah. One? Yeah. I haven't seen yeah. that. And no, that's not that extreme. I don't have to like <laughs> plant my food, hurry up and get it stored for eight months or whatever. But yeah, I still, I still go to the grocery store. I still buy things online. It's just as much as I can. I try to do for myself. Did you have any experience with that growing up? Like how, how did you learn the skills to do all of this? I just learned on, I, for instance, for building my house, I didn't know anything. I didn't, I, I had a sketch of like a drawing. I didn't know what any of it meant. And so my cousin's a builder. So he, he like was the main, you know, leading the whole project, but I actually bought code books, like building code. And I learned all the rules about framing a house. That's all the, the boards that that the house that hold the house up, hold the walls up. I learned all those rules. I designed my own framing, like where my windows go, where my doors go, where my rooms go. And I did the whole plan. So I had to just learn. I had to just say, there's a book, learn it. 
Did you have some experiences like when you were doing all this where um, there are mistakes that came up or, you know, just bad things that came up and you're just like, what am I doing? The one thing would be overwhelmed because one Mm -hmm. thing that I did was saw it was, was stain all of the siding at the front, the back, the sides, it's tongue and grooves. So there's so much. And I, my house is 950 square feet. So it's a lot of siding for one person. And there were days where I thought I'm not going to, I just can't do this. I cannot sigh. I cannot stain everyone's, but it was a chance to dig in and say, yes, I can and do it. So more than anything, what homesteading teaches me is I'm capable of way more than I believe I am. And that, I mean, that's an important thing, just, you know, not only for homesteading, but just life in general. So tell us a little bit about your life coaching. Mm-hmm. How did you get so, into that? And actually yes. some people don't know, really know what life coaching is. So can you explain to people what it is? A, a major way that I think about life coaching, as opposed to other things like maybe therapy or counseling and uh, one distinguishing thing, which is not like an, a black and white, but it's, it's uh, what I focus on in my practice is action. So there is some sharing about what's going on in one's life or the past. And in the end, the goal is always, what are you going to do to fix it? So it's always like, what are you going to change? What are you going to change? And so it's a very action-oriented specialty that at the end of every call, because I meet with my clients weekly, at the end of every call, my clients have devised a list that they want to work on that week because they want to have a better relationship a different job. They want to love their home. They want to move. And so it's very action oriented. And so that's what life coaching is for me in my practice. And I heard about it in maybe 14, the year that I decided to leave. And I thought, this is for me, this is what I'm already doing. I'm already coaching my friends, my family, they'll come to me and run things by me. So I thought I can do it for a profession. I'm doing it. And so I did the training and got certified. Awesome. And I will say, I mean, I have a physician coach myself and I started that a few months ago and it's been super helpful. Just like you said, it's different than therapy because it's almost like it empowers you as an individual to have more control over your thoughts and your feelings and, and subsequently your actions. So very different, um, I think from therapy and, and, um, you know, I'm glad that you found it in 2014. I only recently discovered it and hopefully more people will become aware of it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's synergistic. I actually have at least a couple of my clients have wonderful relationships with their therapist. And so it's both. They'll meet with their therapist about certain, certain things in their life. And then they'll meet with me and they'll, and they, they complement each other. So it's not, doesn't have to be exclusive. They can be absolutely complimentary. Right. And tell us a little bit about what your specific clientele is. Mm-hmm. Mostly I work with women. I have had male clients and it's been a wonderful experience, but mostly I work with women and a lot of them are physicians, but some of them aren't like I have artists and writers, some physician, a physician writer as well. And it's, it's mostly women who just want to have a better life. They're ready for action. They know they want things to be different, but they don't know exactly how to do it. And they would love someone to guide them through the process. Great. And as far as your clients or just in general, your experience with coaching clients, um, is it a certain number of sessions or is it an ongoing thing? Um, how does it work for, for a lot of your clients? Every coach is different on this. So I'm, I'm definitely not speaking for all coaches, but for me, it's month to month. I meet with my clients every week 
And at the end of every month, we decide if we want to keep going. I have one client I've met with for three years. I'm still meeting like we just met this morning, actually, and um, go th- and we've gone through so many awesome changes in that person's life, like uh, job changes, moving from being employed to being a consultant to relationship changes, home changes. And so sometimes it can be long like that. Other times it can be shorter, like a few months. Most of my, I would say most of my clients, it's six months to a year. Excellent. And now that you've been doing life coaching for about six years, do you find yourself whenever you, you know, sometimes have a bad day, do you, do you coach yourself too? Absolutely. When I start like getting down and feeling whatever I say, listen here, (laughs) like you're just, you know, you're being negative, you're catastrophizing, you're worrying. And so, yes, definitely coaching is something that coaches do for themselves and it works. It's like, I can just in a moment change my thought. And then all of a sudden I'm cheerful. It's, it's really super cool. And this question just popped up into my head. If you could coach yourself back in the very beginning, when you were starting your journey in medicine, what would you tell yourself? Oh my gosh. I would say, (laughs) follow your heart, like follow, follow your heart. This is, oh, I'm, you're giving me goosebumps (laughs) that the most important thing I would say is in, is just the world's, the entire world approving of me is not worth one second of me living my truth. It it is priceless living. There is no price tag on living my truth. That is what I would say. I would beg me, please, please, please give up approval for living your truth. It's so hard. I think, um, you know, even me, myself, 10 years ago, I've matured so much. And so it's really challenging when you have so many, so many factors coming into play as far as why you're not able to live um, authentically. So, so tell, go ahead. Yeah. We all want love and approval. You know, we don't want rejected. We don't want kicked out of the tribe. We all want to. And so it's completely natural to feel that way. Yeah. So I want to hear a little bit more about your new endeavor. Oh my goodness. My bakery. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So I love baking. I actually taught myself to bake in 20 plus years ago in my college apartment, got a simple cookbook from the bookstore and then I became a doctor. So I just really stopped doing it. And I've re I've returned to it. And I started posting all these beautiful things. I was making croissants, kolaches, cakes, and cheesecakes. And, and then all of a sudden people said in my community, can I buy some? And I thought, well, I guess, sure. And so I just started selling, like, I'd say, I'll meet you at the grocery store parking lot and here, here's some kolaches and, and it's legal in my state. Cause we have the cottage food law. And so I can sell from a home kitchen. So I didn't have mm-hmm. to get, you know, a, a permit. And so then people started asking me more and more. And so I finally decided about a week before Thanksgiving to put a post up on our community group of about 8,000 people. Cause I live in the country and say, I'm making things for the holidays. And I got like 50 orders, like right away. And so now it's real deal. I I have an online shop. I'm, I'm delivering Wednesdays and Saturdays in my community and I'm making anniversary cakes and birthday cakes. And it's really, really cool. That's so awesome. Congratulations. I mean, all the things that you're doing a baker coach homesteader. I mean, you really are enjoying life now. I actually, the thought went through my head yesterday. I am truly making the most of my life and it feels good. 
I'm so happy to hear that. Well, we are running out of time. 20 minutes just goes by so quickly. If there is one last bit of advice, I know we've talked a lot um, just about being authentic. What is something that you can tell some of the women listening on the podcast? The same thing I would have told myself at the beginning, be true to yourself. I promise even when it's hard and even when you're afraid you're going to lose someone's approval or lose a relationship, there is nothing like living true. It's truly living. That's so beautiful. And if some of these women want to reach out to you for your coaching or just some advice, how would they, how would they reach you? My name, jessiebenson.com. That is my website and they can just go on there and send me a message. Awesome. It's been so fun chatting with you and connecting with you, Jesse. Thank you so much for taking your time out to record with me. Mm -hmm. I've loved it. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wish Well podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe and follow along every week for new episodes. You can find us on Instagram at wishwell.health and at our website, wishwell.health.blog. Until next time, I wish you health and I wish you wellness. Thank you.